And also want to now invite Daniel Goodman um, from City Church Cambridge to come and speak to us. There was murmurings of a woo over in that corner. So uh, City Church Cambridge is another relational mission um, church, which is the, the family of churches that we're a part of. And I uh, want to invite Daniel this morning to come and speak to us and kick off our series on the book of Acts. Thank you. Um, wonderful. Well, it's a real joy to be uh, with you again. Um, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, then um, please turn there. Um, it's a new series, and I think Marion's done the hard work of uh, getting it up on the screen for us. Is that right? Um, Acts chapter 1. Before we dive in, I just want to tell you a little bit of my experience of becoming a dad, because um, it, it's emotionally relevant to what we're going to read. I, uh, some of you might know a bit of our story, but my wife and I couldn't have children, it took us years to get, to get pregnant, for her to get pregnant, and um, then she did, and it was a great joy, um, and then there's, suddenly there's all the kind of buying cots and buying car seats and we drove around with a car seat in the back of our car for about six months because we had such a small house we thought where else will we put it but in the car it's going to be there anyway um, and then you know the day arrives and um, Anna gives birth and but that was quite something um, and I was just watching <laughs> and uh, you, you would have thought that this had occurred to me earlier but there was a moment where the nurse picked my little son up, Finley, and they're tiny, aren't they? And he gave Finley to me, and she said, you're going to need to go home now. And it suddenly dawned on me that I wasn't going to get any more training. I wasn't going to get a license. I wasn't going to get 24-hour coaching. This nurse who had only just met the day before was giving me this life and expecting me to be responsible for it and I think at that moment I realized what was happening it was like I think my wife had got gradually used to it as she got bigger and bigger over nine months but for me it was like all of that realization just dawned on me in that second oh my goodness I have to do this and no one else is going to teach me or help me in the middle of the night. And the blood drained from my face. And I didn't move. And the nurse, so the nurse was using language like, you need to leave now. <laughs> and you need to go home now. And I'd like you to go away now. And, um, you know, she could see that a lot was going on in my mind and she kind of put her hand on my shoulder and said, you'll be all right, you can do this. There's a, a kind of a sudden realization that your identity has changed. I've become a father. And that's not just a change of label, but suddenly massive new responsibilities are on my shoulder. And there's a great phrase in Acts chapter one where Jesus has just ascended into heaven and the angels have attended this moment 
And like the nurse in my story, the angels are looking down at the disciples. I imagine they're looking down. I don't know exactly how it happened. Why are you still here? Why are you standing, looking into heaven as if he's going to return now? There's this kind of, this moment where it's like, you, the penny hasn't quite dropped, like the penny hadn't dropped with me with my boy. You're going to leave now. You know, it starts, it begins, get on with it. The angels are looking down at the disciples like, well, why are you still here? <laughs> so let's read it. Okay. Acts 1. In my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive. As we go through, just notice how many words are referencing what you see. Okay? He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So just want to just pause for a second. When Jesus was born, lots of angels. When Jesus was raised from the dead, angels. Then there's 40 days where he's presenting himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. And there's lots of those resurrection appearances recorded in the Gospels. He, he's there, and then he's not there. And then he's there again, and then he's not there, and then he's there again. So the ascension, we're coming up to it, is different because it's his final appearance to them. And it's also attended by angels, like the birth, like the resurrection. But this is... Luke just recapping what's been happening. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, so that's where they are, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Okay, all the way through their expectation has been that he will destroy the Romans or overthrow the Romans and bring the kingdom back to the people of God. And even though he's been telling them it's not like that, even after his whole life and his resurrection appearances, they still are struggling to understand that that is not what's going to happen. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight while they were gazing into heaven. And behold, two men stood there in white robes, angels, and said, like the nurse said to me, men of Galilee, why do, you, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. The point is, for the purposes of what I'm trying to say today, that 
the, the disciples' life, my life, your life, the Christian life, is dynamic, okay? There's this moment where the baby gets given to me, go and be a father. There's a moment now, this transition moment where Jesus ascended and the angels are saying, go and be disciples. Go and follow Jesus. It's dynamic. If I was to summarize the book of Acts in one word, it would be advance. So the whole book of Acts is kind of encapsulated in this verse one, verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem until you've received this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, where they were, in Judea, which is the area, Samaria, the neighboring area, and to the ends of the earth. And as Acts unfolds, that's exactly the trajectory that happens. So Acts begins in Jerusalem and ends in Rome. You could say it's a tale of two cities, from Jerusalem in chapter one to Rome in chapter 28. It is a bridge between the Gospels and the the rest of the New Testament. So if you're wanting to have good New Testament background knowledge, Acts is the place to get it. If if you're reading Corinthians and wonder, I wonder what the story is here, read Acts. If you're reading Philippians and you think, I wonder what the story is here, read Acts. If you want to know how the disciples lived, how they related to each other, the book of Acts is the bridge from the Gospels into the New Testament. Just Just as Matthew is a bridge from the Old Testament into the New Testament, Matthew reaches back with genealogies. Matthew reaches back with fulfilled prophecy. He does everything he can to make the Jewish case that this is the Messiah. And now Luke is writing Acts to build a bridge into the rest of the New Testament. So Jerusalem, the center of Judaism, and Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire, the center of the Gentile world. So Acts is a trip from mainly Jewish world to a mainly Gentile world. To oversimplify, its first half is about Peter and the second half is about Paul. And Peter is like a first generation Christian, he was with Jesus, but Paul, becomes a Christian within the story of the New Testament, within the story of Acts. So at the beginning of Acts, Peter is a Christian, so to speak, but Paul is not. So within the story of Acts, Paul becomes a Christian and rises to prominence as an apostle. And I think Luke is drawing our attention to these two characters. Now this is quite a biblical sort of idea. Remember the story of there was a There was a a girl who was 12 years old and she was about to die. So Jesus was going to this girl who was 12 years old and on the way he meets someone who's had a a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. Okay, that's called a, a Mark and Sandwich. There's like these stories within stories but I think it's like I want you to think of these two women. Okay, one is 12 years old, one's been suffering for 12 years. I want you to think about them together in this story. Jesus calls them both daughter. Jesus heals them both, etc., etc. In the same way, 
or in a similar way, I think Luke is drawing our attention to Peter and Paul. And the way he does it is by documenting some of their similarities. Luke records both of them being filled with the Spirit, but in different parts of the book, okay? He records them both preaching boldly to Jews and Gentiles. He records them both seeing visions. There aren't that many visions in the book of Acts, but Peter has one and Paul has one. He records them both being imprisoned for preaching the gospel and being miraculously set free. He records them both healing a crippled man. He records them both having unusual healing methods, a shadow, a hanky. Both of them raise the dead. Both of them confront a sorcerer. Both of them refuse to be worshippers gods. I think Luke is very systematically tracking the comparisons and saying, yeah, we understand that Peter, who's, got, who's like an apostle to the Jews, is a bona fide apostle, one of the 12. But, Luke makes the case, so is Paul. This is a dynamic thing. It's supposed to come from this moment of ascension out. All the way through the Old Testament, the story is gather. Gather to the temple, gather to the tabernacle, gather to the fire. And then in the New Testament, the fire comes on everybody's head, individually, not to one place. The temple, you are the temple, now go. There's this idea of advance, of spreading. The reason I'm sort of really making that point from quite a lengthy part of Acts, you could preach on almost anything from those first 11 verses, is that you as a church are going to come into a season now with Wouter and Simona leaving next summer to plant into the Netherlands. It's going to be kind of a moment of realization for those of you who stay that it's good that the church is in a dynamic process. It's good that the gospel is advancing. It's costly, but it's good. Some of you who have benefited from being under strong leaders and have basked in the shade that Wouter and others provide will have to now trust God that for Wouter to go is good, for us to stay is good, but we need faith to do it. We need to trust God. And there will almost be a moment where Wouter and Simona go and it will be like there are angels above, above Peterborough Life Church kind of saying, well, what are you standing here for? Let's go. Get on with it. Don't, don't mark this moment and stay here forever. Let's keep growing. And some of you who are... Um, I mean, I'm not a member of this church, so I get to be a little bit cheeky and to come in and kind of ruffle some feathers you know, like grandparents do. <laughs> Let me say to you, some of you are pillars of this church, and some of you are pillars of the church and you know it, and that's fantastic. You know that God's given you that grace. You're, you're sort of, you don't have a title, but you know you have influence in the church for good, that people look to you. And there are people who are pillars of the church here who don't even realize they're pillars of the church. 
You haven't yet noticed that when people's marriage falls apart, they come to you. You haven't yet noticed that when people want to be filled with the Spirit, they come to you. You haven't yet noticed that yours is the house they feel safest in. But there are many of you here who are like that in various ways. And I want to encourage you to step up into that, to grow into that. You know, we have endless conferences in our tradition. We have endless conferences about growing in the prophetic. But I had a friend who led a church and he, he gathered all the biggest givers and he sat down with them and he said, you've got a gift of generosity, now grow it. Let's grow it. And I thought, that's brilliant. We, don't, we do that with prophetic things. It's like it's okay to do it with certain gifts and, and not with others. But if you have got an intangible influence in the church, if you're a rock, if you're a pillar, I want you, like I did in that moment when my son was given to me, to kind of think, I need to grow up. I need to fill, fill out. I can do this. Like the disciples had to choose to trust Jesus when he said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. By going, I can be with you through the Holy Spirit to the very end of the age. I just want to finish by reading Romans 16 which is a very particular kind of chapter. Now, I've made loads of oversimplifications about the book of Acts being about Peter and Paul and, you know, being about advance, and there's far more subtleties than that, obviously, but I just want to sort of draw, you know, a picture in your mind. One of the heroes of the book of Acts, obviously, is Paul. Although Luke wrote more of the New Testament than Paul did, Paul emerges as kind of the supreme voice in the New Testament. And he plants churches and he writes letters. And one of the things he's able to do in Acts, in Romans 16, is to thank the people around him. So listen to the way Paul talks. I commend to you, this is Paul, Paul. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Phoebe paid for Paul's ministry. Okay, how many Phoebes are there in this room? Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their necks for me, risked their life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. These are men and women who didn't write books of the Bible. They're not remembered in the same way we remember Paul, but Paul could not have done what he did without them. And this, I mean, I could go through the Romans at 16, and if you haven't been through it, you should sit there for a couple of weeks and just let it do your soul good. But I determined when I was relatively young that I wanted to be the sort of person where other Christians could say, he risked his neck for me, and not only am I grateful for him, but all the churches are grateful for him. And some of you will rise up to provide that kind of support 
for this church and for the churches it plants. I really, really want to impress upon you the Christian message is dynamic from Jerusalem to Rome to the ends of the earth, the Gentiles being brought in. To go is normal. We need to step up, receive what God is doing with us. And God is going to use many of you in that season. My, my kind of to-do would be just get before God and ask him to, to help you trust him. Remember the angels at that moment looking at the disciples and saying, why are you still here? Let's go. Imagine the angels saying that to you. Let's go. This is a let's go moment. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for this church, which is such an encouragement to me and to many. And um, thank you that I have so many friends here, men and women that I know love you and honor you and trust you. Thank you that this is a worshiping church, a worshiping church who truly does delight in your holy name. And I know that there are moments in life that are scary where we have to own who we are, like I had to own being a father in that moment. Like the disciples had to own being followers of Jesus without his bodily presence. And this is going to be a moment this next year or two where this church needs to trust you again. And I pray that there would be grace to do that, the relationship to do that, and the faith to do that because we know that you are with us always to the very end of the age. Amen. Bless you. Thank you.